Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now. Well, hello, Star Style followers. How are you? I hope that this has been an amazing week for you. Welcome to Star Style. Be the star you are, where we want to catapult you to the stars and help you to land on them. We have another exciting, exciting day for you today on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, coming to you live on the Voice America Network. And our program is brought to the airwaves under the species of Be the Star You Are charity. So please visit Be the Star You Are at bethestarur.org and help us with our Operation Hurricane Disaster Relief. We had a very successful fire relief, and now we are moving on to uh, hurricane relief. So bethestarur.org. Now, this is from Jim Rohn. Don't spend major time doing minor things. And that's something that we all have to learn. Well, today... If you think that you might be getting a divorce or are in the throes of divorce, we have an incredible author here for you. Annie Grant will be with us in segment two with her newest book, The Divorce Hacker's Guide to Untying the Knot, What Every Woman Needs to Know About Finances, Child Custody, Lawyers, and Planning Ahead. And that's kind of a sad thing to think that the statistics are there are 2,400 divorces a day, 16,800 divorces a week, and 876,000 divorces a year in the United States that help everyone going through it feel feelings of loss, grief, and rage. So Anne will be with us in segment two to help you get through that. We'll talk about how to enhance the positive in segment three because being positive is something that gives us happier relationships and research always points to that that a positive attitude attracts others and positive individuals are supportive and they notice the good in the world so we want to give your attitude some uh, altitude and we'll do that in segment three but Right now, an estimated 37 million people in the United States suffer from debilitating migraines every year, and 21 million of them are women. Migraines are the seventh highest cause of disability worldwide. So I have a few tips here to find out what causes the headaches and what you can do to alleviate the pain without drugs and medications. Before I do that, I just want to give one shout out because there's only a few days left. If you are planting uh, lawn seed this uh, this season, you can go to pearlspremium.com and put in the code STAR20, S-T-A-R-20, and you can get 20% discount on any of their 
products as a courtesy to Star Style Productions because I've been a major supporter of Pearl's Premium Lawn Seeds for a very long time. So pearlspremium.com, code STAR20. Well, healing headaches. Migraine renders the population of an estimated 37 million people in the United States who have these debilitating migraines bedridden for approximately 112 million days a year. This affects work, family, social, and school lives, of course. The appalling numbers tell only half the story, though, because headache and migraine sufferers, they can live in pain for years, often decades, and they're continually seeking the you know, the next new best cure, but then they just feel frustrated and helpless and hopeless because it stops working. A lot of the current medical treatments are only marginally effective, and sometimes they even complicate the original condition. So what uh, is a a recommendation is a holistic somatic self-care program, and there are benefits to working with headaches. This way, a few months back, uh, I was interviewing um, the author, John Mundo, of the Headache Healer's Handbook. And a lot of these tips are coming from her. Because people with headaches, especially those with migraines, they feel that medication is their only option to stop their pain and those debilitating systems. They don't realize that taking acute pain medications regularly, even if you're taking it as little as 10 times a month, they can really increase in pain frequency and in pain intensity. This actually becomes a medication overuse headache, and they are caused by prescriptions and even over-the-counter remedies and are characterized by a daily dull, steady pain. So many of these medications have caffeine, barbiturates, or even opioids in them. And if overused, can cause this, you know, habituation when taken singly or in combination. Now, I was talking to you in a former uh, segment about how the importance of purging your medicine cabinet and getting rid of old medications or medications you're not using anymore or that you don't need. And it's really important that you decide to do that because you don't want to have things in your medicine cabinet that are not going to be useful or that could actually be dangerous to you. Now, when you work somatically, which means you're addressing the mind, body, emotions, and spirit, The benefits extend beyond that lack of side effects. Patients don't assume as much power when relying on something or someone outside of themselves, like a drug or even a doctor, as when they control everything themselves. And that is that whole concept. It is a focus of control that you can do with yourself when you address your mind, body, emotions, and spirit. And there are many studies that are showing that when people take health into their own hands, they are more likely to improve and stay healthy because they're on top of it. So this holistic approach that I'm talking about, it's more than a Band-Aid. You look at your pain in context of your life history of the habits that you have, of the patterns. And then you need to shift the underlying causes of that pain, which helps you learn how to be healthier, how to stay fit, um, have less stress in your life, 
And it's interesting because this addresses not only your headaches, but your overall well-being, including your mental and emotional aspects. And therefore, the healing is more complete and it is long-lasting. Well, you're probably asking, what causes headaches in the first place? I mean, don't we all wonder why is it that you can just feel great and then boom, you feel like you've been hit over the head with a hammer? Medical researchers, doctors, scientists, they've been searching for that exact mechanism of headaches, and especially for migraines, for almost over a century. They have done pain theory, brainstorms, they've looked at blood vessel, nerve involvement to neurotransmitters, and they actually have not yet found a definitive answer. Clinicians are often working with patients to find and eliminate the underlying causes, which they call triggers. Now, in all headache types, Some of the things that really do play a role are lack of sleep, lack of exercise, increased stress, poor posture, and upper body tension, as well as moods, emotions, attitudes, behaviors, beliefs, and any trauma that you might have had. And this is one reason when we talk about attitude that I want to talk about creating a positive attitude, which we'll do in segment three. Now, people with migraines are especially affected by diet. And it, but it's different for every person. So don't think that migraines um, are the same for, for everyone. Some of, the, some of the triggers that migraine sufferers have indicated, it could be drinking wine or caffeine, eating cheese or other dairy products, and even wheat gluten. These have all been indicated as triggers. Some other things are the weather. Now, it could be hot weather, cold weather, windy weather, you know, whatever, or strong odors, even visuals and sounds. And, of course, for women, hormones also play a major factor. Now, most of the time, instead of a single trigger, though, headaches are caused by a combination of factors. And that's why triggers are often so difficult to prim- to pinpoint because it's the combination that makes people very vulnerable to an attack. And there are different kinds of headaches. The International Classification of Headache Disorders, or ICHD, um, hyphen three, it's a beta version, defines 300 different types of headaches. So doctors can diagnose their patients. They can rule out dangerous causes, such as a stroke or a tumor or meningitis, and then they can appropriately prescribe the correct medications. Now, the most prevalent headache type is called attention type headache. And I think most people have suffered attention headache at some time or another. It's characterized by this steady, a light pain. It's sort of like a really tight headband um, on your head, or if it gets really bad, it almost feels like your head is being squeezed by a vice. And these kinds of headaches can last as short as maybe 30 minutes, and they can go as long as seven days or even more. Now, migraines affect one in four U.S. households, and two-thirds of people with migraines are women. And uh, very often, they run in families. My sister-in-law and my niece, they both suffer from really, really terrible migraines, so, so much so that sometimes they have to sit in the dark, you know, with a cloth over their eyes, a wet, damp cloth over their eyes, and it's very disabling. And sometimes migraines are accompanied by uh, some other symptoms that that are 
really uncomfortable, like nausea or vomiting or the sensitivity to light. As I said, people often will sit in a dark, quiet room, sound, odors, and mood disturbances. These can all be just as debilitating as the head pain. Now, the slightest movement can make a migraine worse. So sometimes you have to retreat to a completely free of stimulus, darkened room. And most migraines can last from four to 72 hours, which just feels like a lifetime. And there is a genetic link in about 50 to 70% of migraines, meaning that if your parents or grandparents got them, you might be a candidate as well. But just because a migraine runs in your family doesn't mean that you can't remedy it. It's the old nature versus nurture question. Something in your environment has to activate those genes and how you live makes a difference. So genetics might predispose you to a migraine, but when your life is in balance, you won't provoke the triggers. Now, are you the headache healer? Um, Can you actually really heal yourself? And what is it that you can do uh, to do that? So the step-by-step instructions that you can do is sometimes if you get a massage or you get some energy work, um, that will really, really help with your with your migraines. Again, staying away from those triggers and of really um, actually putting your own hands, using light touch and focus concentration on and putting your hands on the sides of your head can very often help you, especially with the tension headaches. Again, it's the emotional, the mental and the physical stress that people are carrying that manifests as that embodied tension down to the cellular level. And it affects all of their systems because everything in our body is connected. You know that song, you know, what is it? The leg bones connected to the hip bone and vice versa. So some things that you could do would be some meditation, breathing, mindfulness, some gentle exercise, and of course, getting your posture aligned. And you may want to reach out to a therapist or guidance or perhaps a somatic coach along with getting some body work or doing some self-massage just to help you ease the pain. And just keep in mind that there are some foods that can trigger migraine. Some common food triggers are the caffeine or lack of it. So it could be too much or too little or none at all. Aged and fermented foods, um, foods with amines like yogurt and sour cream and, of course, dairy and wheat products. The best probably kind of diet, you've heard this a lot, is to do a Mediterranean diet that has a variety of fresh fish and vegetables and fruit and legumes and nuts and seeds and tofu and whole grains and healthy fats like olive oil. And you might want to consider uh, consulting a registered dietitian to see if that you need to be on some special diet. Now, the three dietary migraine prevention tips are, number one, eat protein early and eat it often. Incorporate it into three meals and three snacks or six small meals. Don't skip meals and don't go hungry and bring healthy snacks with you. And drink as much water as possible, less caffeine and more water, at least 64 ounces of water a day, starting with a very large glass first thing in the morning. And then cut the caffeine, but taper off like by a quarter 
the usual amount. Or we don't just try to do it cold turkey. And then breathing, uh, doing the belly breathing, you know, which is like diaphragmatic breathing. Instead of into the chest, it reduces neck and shoulder tension and it creates a state of overall calmness. Uh, stack the head, neck, and spine vertically with your feet placed hip distance apart. And that will keep the body in alignment and easily supported in gravity without straining. And then practice some upper body self-massage. And that will help prevent the buildup of tightness and uh, tension in the neck and shoulders and head and face. And all of those will contribute. So the research shows that almost two-thirds of migraine sufferers are women in their reproductive years. And so that, as we know, then the hormones are really going to kick in. Both birth control and hormone replacement are a mixed bag when it comes to to migraines. And you really have to carefully evaluate that with your physician. So when we come back from break, we are going to be talking with author and attorney Anne E. Grant, who has written a really, really fabulous guide, The Divorce Hacker's Guide to Untying the Knot. I do hope that none of you have to do that, but if you do, we have the ammunition for you to come out of it unscathed. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style, Be the Star You Are, and we'll be right back. Don't go away. Be the star you are. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world, lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR, 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 and visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan, www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is called... Well, thank you so much for staying with me here on Star Style. Be the star you are. I am Cynthia Bryan, and I like to bring you the pioneers on the planet, and today is no 
different. If you are possibly going through a divorce, you really have to protect yourself. And we have family law attorney and author, Anne Grant, who is presenting this incredible practical information specifically for women to help them protect themselves as they navigate through a divorce. The name of her book is The Divorce Hacker's Guide to Untying the Knot, What Every Woman Needs to Know About Finances, Child Custody, Lawyers and planning ahead. Welcome, Anne, to Star Style. Be the star you are. Thank you, Cynthia. I'm happy to be here. Well, I am really happy to have you. I hope I never have to go through a divorce, but if I ever do, I know exactly where I'm turning, and it's to you. This is an absolutely amazing book. I don't think you have forgotten anything in it um, because you just give step by step of what people need to know, and specifically women, because it seems that when there is a divorce, women certainly get the short end of the stick. Why don't you give us the backstory of your impetus for writing this book and how it affected you when you were caught off guard and had to go through a divorce yourself? Sure. So I, uh, at the time, was a lawyer, but I wasn't a family law attorney. And it was during the financial crisis. Uh, And so I found myself losing not just my marriage, but my job had also dissolved at a big corporate law firm. And then kind of simultaneously with all of this unraveling, my father, who was my rock Uh, And it was really helping me with our three young children passed away. And so I stating, yes, it was the perfect storm of loss. And uh, I really felt overwhelmed by all the things that had to be dealt with that I was facing for the first time. Um, And there were no books out there that provided what I was looking for, a book kind of like what to expect when you're expecting, but with solutions and answers uh, to all those tricky questions in a divorce situation. And it struck me that that book really needed to be written to provide comprehensive guidance about not only the legal process, but all the other things that you have to deal with, the financial issues, the issues with respect to your home, your children, uh, your career, and your own well-being. Um, and so I and I realized that most women were seeking advice from their friends and relatives, many of whom are well-meaning. But Aunt Martha, who divorced in 1983 in Chicago, is not the best resource for a woman facing divorce today. And so that is why I wrote the book. Well, you know, I, I'm, I was really blown away by reading the book, too, because, first of all, it's very, very simple to read. You have it outlined so well with insider tips in every chapter, and you have um, you've really prepared the book in a way that is um, understandable for the layperson. And so it doesn't, I always find with lawyers, and I'm sure you've heard this a lot, is that there's always this lingo that I don't even understand and so it was wonderful to have a lawyer write a book and make it so that anybody can understand it but why don't we start Anne with what do you do when you think that divorce is imminent what is the first step 
that a woman can do if she thinks she's in an unhappy marriage or maybe just questioning, you know, her, the motives of her husband? What are some of the first steps that we start with? So I really spend quite a bit of time in the book about preparedness and particularly uh, financial preparedness. And the reason I have um, that I've set up the book in a checklist format and particularly on this issue is because even though I was um, well educated and an attorney, I allowed uh, my husband to manage our finances and there were many things that I wish I had done differently. So, so that is why I put this checklist together. A lot of, a lot of the recommendations I make are from uh, my own personal experience and things that I wished I'd done differently. Well, so, you know, when you say, I'm just going to jump in there, when you say about <laughs> managing the money, don't you find, and even in your law practice today, what you're doing, don't you find that that seems to be kind of a common practice with in many marriages is that the man handles the finances no matter what the intelligence or the professional status is of the woman and so this advice that you give on being money wise and getting all the financial documents to me this was absolutely crucial you're right so 56 percent of married women defer to their spouses on major investment and financial planning decisions. And surprisingly, millennial women are the most likely to do so at 61%. 98% of widows and divorcees would advise other women to take a more active role in financial decisions. And so with that in mind, um, here's a few tips. I recommend women open a bank account in her own name. Um, And it's surprising how many women haven't done this, but I can tell you if you find yourself in a situation where you're getting divorced, you'll be glad that you did. And with that in mind, I recommend that women set aside money for living expenses and in case you need to hire an attorney. Um, I had a situation where a gal came to me with, $238 in her bank account because her husband, who was one of the assistant head coaches for one of LA's professional sports teams, came back early from one of the um, away games, away trips. He stole the teenage son's Jeep. He filled it with his belongings, and then he cleaned out the joint bank account that held hundreds of thousands of dollars. And he sent her a text saying, I left you with $238 so you can't hire a lawyer. So, of course, isn't that, isn't that just the, the cruelest thing that anyone could do? I mean, when we take our wedding vows, you know, it's still death do us part, supposedly. And unfortunately, uh, this is like a death when you go through a divorce. Sometimes it worse. It is. And sadly, the the case I just told you about is not isolated. I do see this happen. And so, so I do recommend setting aside some money for living expenses um, in the event that you might need that. And in fact, in a community property state like California, you can take half the money out of a joint account um, and put it in a separate account. I don't recommend that you do that because obviously it may create problems with checks bouncing and so forth, but it's not illegal to do so. Well, now to be clear, Anne, about opening a, opening a separate account, 
does this mean that your husband's name is not on the account at all? Is that, that correct? Is, yes, that is correct. Okay, so it's your name only, and so it's going to be your credit scores. Uh, if you open a, have a credit card or something, it would be based on your credit scores, not a joint credit score. Well, that's a really good question because one of the other things I recommend women do is to check their credit score. Um, and you need to you need to build your own credit. There are really few numbers in life that matter as much as your to your financial outlook and well-being as your credit score. So uh, one of the other things I suggest you do is open two credit cards in your own name and you need to be the primary card holder on those cards because you can have a wallet full of credit cards but if your husband's the primary card holder and you're the secondary he can cancel those cards without your permission. So it's good to open those credit cards now while you, uh, if he's got good credit, can utilize his credit when opening those cards. And then lastly, I recommend that you gather and copy documentation for all assets, bank accounts, investments, and retirement plans, even if they're in your spouse's name. Essentially, copy anything with a dollar sign attached to it. Uh, Many women will tell me that their husband insists he's going to keep his 401k or pension, uh, and that's wrong. If you live in a community property state, half that pension or retirement fund earned during the marriage is yours. And if you live in an equitable property state, you are entitled to your fair share of that 401k or pension, regardless of whose name it is in. Well, it seems like all of this should be done while your marriage is still good. <laughs> you know, in yes. other words, maybe, the, I mean, these are all wonderful tips if you believe that you're going to be going through a divorce, but maybe this is a good thing just to for all women to do anyway. Just, you know, um, that way you are, as a woman, you know exactly what's happening in the relationship and where your money is going and and um, what's happening. Maybe that will curtail some of the issues that happen. I, I don't know, but what do you think? I agree completely. I think it makes you a better partner if you're financially aware. Mm-hmm. And really what I find that is critical in keeping marriages together from having observed so many dissolve is... Um, understanding one another and communication and so knowing where the money is facilitates that so my my goal for women is that they become more financially informed regardless of whether they're headed down the path towards divorce or not and it will make their marriage stronger and make them better partners but in the event that um, they end up getting divorced or widowed they'll be prepared Well, you know, my mom was uh, widowed after 45 years of marriage, and my dad had always taken care of everything on the finances, and I think that she just thought that she could write checks and there would be money in there. I mean, he was obviously wonderful, and he took care of her, and 
And before he died, he made sure that everything was, you know, was great for her. But the interesting thing was, is as kids, we all had to step in to show her how to balance a checkbook. And she really had no idea where, you know, about any of the bills or anything because he had taken care of everything. Fortunately, he was he was loyal and loving of her. But had he not been, it could have been a disaster. And I think that's a, such a great lesson in what you're saying is how important it is for women to take control of their lives by being uh, by being financially savvy. I want to jump to something. I mean, you have so many tips in here. We could go on literally for hours, but when you have children, this you have a lot of information on how to make your children feel safe and loved and not like they are the ones that cause the divorce and just the different action steps that you can do to try to keep the family on the same, you know, on a, on a good level key. Now, one of the things that really struck me, and maybe many people know it, is that even if you're angry, don't move out of the house because you may not be able to get back in. Tell us about that a bit. Right. So um, this issue comes up frequently where I have women come in and, um, and and let me let me have a caveat to this. So if you feel like you or your child is in danger of any sort of domestic abuse, then this this does not apply to you. You should absolutely go to a safe location. Right. Great. But, great. That's great advice. Right. That's that's a different situation. But uh, a lot of women will come in and, and they will say, um, you know, I just can't stand to be around my husband any longer. And so, um, you know, I'm looking for a new place to live. And I completely understand that. However, you don't want to move out and leave your kids behind Um because unless you know unless you feel like you and you still shouldn't leave your children behind if you feel like you're in danger you should take them with you um, but I don't recommend that you move out and leave the children behind because I've seen instances where <clears throat> the husband will go into court and his attorney will make the argument that you've abandoned the children and you never want to be in court making defensive arguments that that's not the case. You always want to be in there wearing the white hat. You want to be the good guy. Family court judges have tremendous discretion. And my experience is that from the get-go, they'll sort of, they're just people, you know, even though they're wearing a black robe, they'll figure out in their heads who the good guy is. And a lot of times then from that point on, decisions will be based uh, with that in mind. So before you move out of the house, I really strongly advise you to talk to reputable counsel that you trust, explain in detail why it is you feel like you need to move out. There are certain circumstances where I have recommended that you that clients do that, but most often, um, it's best to stay in the house and then if you have to try to negotiate um, with the other side and his attorney, um, him moving out, or if you have to go to court, make the arguments that you need to make in order to accomplish that. But I would caution against being hasty in that regard. And, and with respect to kids, to your point, 
you know, children of all ages really just want to know that they're safe. And so I give lots of tips and points, but really what it all boils down to is the ultimate goal of helping children feel that they're going to be safe and that they're loved. And and I caution against using your children as, as therapists or to... Or as weapons. Or as weapons, because... They are not equipped to handle that. And at the end of the day, no matter how mad and angry you may be, you uh, will will most likely move on and your husband or ex-husband will too. But if you use the children as pawns, uh, they typically will not fully recover and it may show up much later in life, but it will impair them. Something, something else that you brought up, too, that I found fascinating was if, even if you're separated and it's taking a long time, until your divorce is final, really double think uh, getting involved in another relationship. Because when you do go to court, that could work against you in some way. And you also recommended possibly not doing mediation Unless, um, you know, unless there's, it's going to be a, a fairly easy divorce. Could you speak to those two things? I'd be happy to. So with respect to the first point, which is about getting involved in another relationship, you know, that's a tricky one. A lot of people going through divorce, some people, I, I've seen two different camps. Some people don't want anything to do with dating for a while, and some people can't wait to date. Um, I have found that, it's really it really exacerbates the um, tension and it makes it much harder to resolve issues in a case if you get a new person involved too soon. So not only can it really run up your legal bill because the other party is now angry and wants to fight just to fight, but it can also be quite hard on children who are really going through a lot at this point. So I advise either waiting or keeping it really under the radar and certainly never take your uh, significant other to court with you. I see that happen and it's just a tremendous mistake. It just ratchets up the heat in the case and, and you don't want to do that. There's no reason to do that. And then with respect to mediation, um, There are cases where mediation is appropriate and it can be cost efficient and less acrimonious than um, what we think of as a traditional divorce where you hire a lawyer to represent you. But particularly women need to be very cautious here. I I see a lot of instances where husbands try to move the case into mediation and then they use it to try to get what they want because... Their wife is unrepresented. I had a gal call me up just last week who was terribly upset because that's what happened. And she just wanted to get through it and keep the peace. So she felt that she gave up many of her legal rights to do that. And then right after she signed the divorce decree, she learned that he had fathered another child. Mm. Uh, during the course of the mediation and she wanted to unwind it. And of course, she um, couldn't. you can't do that. So if you're going to go through mediation, you need to understand the mediator is a neutral and he or she does not represent you. And I advise that 
uh, if you're going to go through mediation, that you still have an attorney working with you to advise and counsel you and who's looking out for your best interest. And women need to know I get called by men all the time and asked to do just that, to represent them kind of in the shadows so they can get what they want in mediation. Now, do you, but now you're in your practice now and you're representing uh, just women or do you represent men as well? I represent women and men. Both, okay. Both. And um, the book was written for women. Women. Because, because I, but it would be the best handbook a man could could get because it gets exactly exactly because all your tips all your secrets are in there we're speaking with ann e grant she is the author of the divorce hackers guide to untying the knot her website is the divorcehacker.com and this book is absolutely filled with every little detail that anyone would need to know how to get through a divorce and have come out the other side. Now, something that you uh, talk about also in your book, I and mean, there's so much, is going through the grieving process and how it's very much like the Kubler-Ross model where we go through the five stages of grieving where, you know, you go through denial and anger and bargaining and depression and acceptance. And that's, you know, that how you have to be mindful through all of this. And I found that to be very helpful of what you said is to really keep yourself healthy, to uh, attempt to de-stress, to do some meditation and things for yourself so that when you're going through this, that you don't feel so alone, but you're also feeling empowered because you're taking care of your mind, body, and spirit. Absolutely. Divorce is one of the most destabilizing experiences that a woman can face. And so to effectively put your life back together, it's it's essential to be grounded. And, and what I mean by that is to be focused and clear so that you can do what is required and let go of what no longer serves. So mindfulness truly is the foundation of my practice and the book. And certainly it is what will get you through the grieving process. Um, so I, during my own divorce, I told you earlier about how it was so destabilizing and I found that my coping skills were inadequate to handle the loss of everything I held dear. So I began meditating each morning to calm my mind and through that practice, I, I found my way. And in my legal work, I found that the women who have a mindfulness practice are much better able to handle the changes that they face with grace and to move through the grieving process and not get stuck. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I do include a section about mindful practices in each chapter of the book. You also have included information that because of social media, there tends to be much more um, sexual activity that is transpiring outside of the marriage and specifically more with men because there's so many things happening on Twitter and Facebook, etc. Are there actually statistics about that? There are. Recent studies reveal that Facebook and Twitter users have a higher rate of infidelity and divorce. There are actually 40 million sexually explicit websites, 
chat rooms, bulletin boards, and interactive games available on the internet. An estimated 20 to 33% of internet users go online for sexual purposes. Most are male, about 35 years old, married with children, and well-educated. So online... Yeah, online sexual behavior is proving to be highly addictive to some users, and its uh, serious relationship problems are reported in almost all marriages in which one partner is cybersex addicted. As many as 17% of Internet users become addicted to online sexual activity, and it is a very real issue that's landing more and more people in my office. Wow, and that's it. I mean, and it's going to keep growing, too. That's the scary part about it. So divorces are actually increasing. They're not going down, are they? Um, no, divorces are going down. Oh, they are. Okay. Yes, but what we are seeing is that uh, divorces for people that are 50 and over has doubled since 1990. Has increased. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so as the American population steadily ages, gray divorce will keep rising. And it's estimated that by 2030, there will be 800,000, I'm sorry, 800,000 uh, divorces annually. So what is causing the gray divorces? Why is this? We, you know, people who've been married a really long time, maybe some of them met after high school. Or that in high school, they were high school sweethearts or college sweethearts, and they raised their children, and then what is it, the empty nest syndrome, or is it uh, the men wanting younger women, a combination? What do you see in your practice? What the studies show is that people are living longer. And so it used to be that by the time someone got into their 50s and they retired, um, you know, their life was kind of winding down and that's no longer the case for many people they're they feel like they're just getting started once their children leave home um, and they're a little bit older and so with the longer um, uh, age people living longer uh, what we're seeing is that if they're in unhappy marriages they're more likely to untie the knot but what what women need to understand is that you know, divorce doesn't have to be the end. It really is the opportunity for a new beginning. Yeah, this is what I wanted to get to is because yeah. this is what your book really, you know, the the takeaway, I think, is that any woman that's in an unhappy marriage can create a new and happy life on her own and get work that she loves and feel fulfilled again. Right. In fact, there was a new study that was just published, and it debunked decades of studies that married people are happier and healthier than their single counterparts. And to the contrary, the study revealed that marriage does not mean better health, higher self-esteem, or long-term happiness. Every single finding favored single women. So, for example... Uh, the women does it favor single men as well, or just single women? Well, this was a study about women, women, and it showed that women who divorced ate healthier, exercised more, and had smaller waists than the women who stayed married. And single women are having more sex than their married counterparts. So this study really is a powerful blow 
against the notion that marriage is the ideal way to live. Uh, 45% of all Americans aged 18 or, and older, 18 or older are single or divorced, and in unprecedented numbers, women are now living their single lives, which are often healthier and more fulfilling than those of couple counterparts. So the weight of the scientific evidence is finally on their side. Yeah. Well, and also what I have found with people that I know is that many times after a divorce, women especially are choosing not to remarry, but to stay single at least for um, a significant period of time. You're right about that. So the statistics show that uh, women who divorce or who are widowed Um, I don't know what the percentage is, but they're much more likely to stay single than men. Men typically will get remarried. Quickly, yes. Yes, and what this new study showed that came out this year, you know, in the past there were all these sociological studies showing that married people were healthier, and actually this new study um, shows exactly the, the opposite with respect to women. Well, you know, it's interesting when you say that, too, because of the people that I know uh, when they've gotten divorced, it's so true. It's like, especially the women, they, they tend to lose weight. They, they they look so much better. They get new haircuts. They're doing their makeup different. They just seem to have a lightness about them that was very different than when they were married. And um, at least many of the, my friends that I know, they're very happy. So that's the good news is that it's not the end of the world. So Anne E. Grant is the author. The book is The Divorce Hacker's Guide to Untying the Knot. We have just touched just a little tip of this, uh, of the information that she has in there. She really does talk about resilience and, and how you can rebuild your life and build your business and how to find the right therapists and the right attorneys and you know just how to be a wise woman and to get through this with um, with grace dignity and mindfulness so Anne, I thank you so much for coming on star style be the star you are this is really a wonderful guide for everyone and just as a final so you're very happy now and you've you and your family um, made it through just fine We did. We really uh, learned how to not just survive, but thrive. And that's why I wrote the book, because I want women to know that they can do that, too. It is possible. Well, congratulations and thank you so much for coming on the show. The website is thedivorcehacker.com. The divorcehacker.com. You can also find her Twitter at divorcehacker or on her Facebook professional page, facebook.com, the divorce hacker. Also, Instagram, divorce hacker. Anne E. Grant, thank you, Anne, for being on Star Style. Be the star you are. This was really a very enlightening segment, and the book is excellent. Thank you, Cynthia. That was wonderful. Well, I wanted before, we only have a couple of minutes before the end of the hour, so I'm not going to even take a break because I wanted to give Anne a lot more time. This this book is very, very important for anyone, man or woman, who is considering a divorce because literally all the answers that you may need to get through it successfully are in the book. But I just wanted to um, let you know how to be positive uh, because 
it's so important. One of the toughest issues we have to overcome is to get to move forward after we've been through something that is negative. You know, we get this attitude of what's the use or I'm not worth it. And some kids who are emotionally or mentally abused come to believe that they're not even valuable as people. And it makes it very difficult for them to have enough hope and motivation to work through blocks and heals. So motivation comes from celebration and appreciation. So state it. Celebration plus appreciation equals motivation. And when you use that equation to motivate yourself and those that you love, You'll be able to express gratitude and you'll appreciate yourself and you will appreciate those around you. And then your attitude will actually elevate. So you can enhance that positive experience and by doing a few of these things. Make a mental note of all the possibilities. What can you learn from the negative experience that's just happened? Will you meet a new friend? Will you be getting a new job or moving to a new place? Remind yourself of your goals. You're going to get there no matter what. And when you're down, don't forget, the best place to go is up. Review your positive personal qualities. You know, what are your friends and families like about you? What do you like about you? Is it your intelligence, your sense of humor, your style, your conversation skills? Are you kind and caring and encouraging? So write these down because everyone has these star qualities. And then research does show that people who have a positive outlook have better lives, partly because a positive attitude is attractive, it's charming, and people are drawn to it. And most of all, when you are positive, you'll be more supportive of yourself and with others. So look up, be positive, and decide that you can be happy and you will be happy no matter what is happening or has happened in your life. I want to thank you all for being great listeners and allowing me into your life every week on Wednesdays, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific, right here, coming to you live on the Voice America Network. This is the Empowerment Channel. I hope that I can always be your personal growth success coach and help you to change your life, make your dreams come true, and lead a happier and healthier life. For information on how to make a donation to Be The Star You Are charity that brings you this show, and we're doing Operation Hurricane Relief right now, visit bethestarur.org. If you want more information about Cynthia Bryan or Star Style Productions or any of my books, visit CynthiaBryan.com. My aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate. See beyond your physical being. Know you're already the star you dreamed of becoming. Cherish the past, dream of the future, and celebrate every moment of your life. And read a book this week because it is like a garden in your pocket. And make that book The Divorce Hacker's Guide to Untying the Knot by Anne E. Grant. Man or woman, you will find so much useful information in this book. And moreover, it's positive, it's upbeat, and it's mindful. So until we celebrate next week, remember, love always wins. Kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. I am Cynthia Bryan for Star Style, thanking you and encouraging you. Be the star you are. Have a beautiful week. Dream, create, inspire, make a difference, and be here next Wednesday, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific. Thank you so much for joining me. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star.
been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit StarStyleRadio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan, every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are. Keep going.